Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Let me stick with weather for them for a moment because Met Aaron, they're ruling out the possibility of a white Christmas. That we are going to see a dip in temperatures, particularly on uh, Christmas Eve. But if you have children in the house who might have been looking forward to building snowmen on Christmas Day, they're going to be disappointed because Christmas Day is going to be a cloudy and a dry day, and temperatures for Christmas Day around six to nine degrees Celsius. So relatively pleasant weather for Christmas Day. Christmas Eve will be mostly dry, sunny spells, uh, temperatures. 4 to 7 degrees there's a risk of light showers in the afternoon for uh, Christmas Eve but temperatures on Christmas Eve night are going to dip they're going to go as low as minus 2 degrees but Met Aaron are promising very favourable weather for Santa Claus as he embarks on his travels and they've confirmed it's all systems go for Santa's flight path and I always love when Met Aaron and the, the, the good people at air traffic in the various airports I love on Christmas Eve when they do their bit to have Santa Claus on the flight path and for the little children listening it's just all the magic of it. it it really is wonderful anyway we welcome you along to the programme on this Tuesday morning John Paul is back with us taking your calls 1850 333 103 you can text our uh, WhatsApp as well to 0862 and confusion reigns I suppose is the best way of uh, putting it Depending on what paper you're reading, lots of speculation as to what we can expect will be announced later on today. Don't know what time the Taoiseach is going to address the nation. We're doing our best to try to get some kind of a timeline assuming it's probably going to be at about tea time, maybe mid, anything from four o'clock onwards, I imagine. But generally speaking, the last uh, the last addresses to the nation have usually been around tea time. They try and kind of catch the six o'clock news generally speaking, but I've no confirmation on that yet. yet. But what they're saying is that the restaurants and the gastro pubs will close. Now, some are saying from lunchtime on Christmas Eve, others are saying mid-afternoon, but it's one of the, this, these are now recommendations that go before the Cabinet. It'll be up to the Cabinet today to sign off on all of these. We know the government are doing their best to try to stem the surge in new COVID-19 cases and part of that could also be inter-county travel. It's been suggested that that will be banned from midnight on St. Stephen's Day. The ban on travel to and from Britain that we were talking about this time yesterday. We know it's a four, initial 48-hour ban that's expected to be extended until at least New Year's Eve 
could be extended further after that. A decision, a final decision on household visits that's also expected to be discussed at the Cabinet today. Non-essential retail looking like that will remain open. That would be a huge sigh of relief to business owners. But then they're saying the personal services like the hairdressers, the barbers, the beauticians, the nail bars, looks like they all are going to have to close. Uh, Gyms and sports like golf and tennis. Some are saying that that's going to be permitted. Other commentators are saying no, looks like gyms could close. So there's a there's a question mark over that. And then what's what, what are the new restrictions going to be co- going to be caused going to be called level five minus is the new one that I've heard. Somebody else is saying level three plus plus plus. So so I can't even direct you to the gov.ie who've been great with their information and say look at level five. That's what it's going to look like. It's going to be. A little bit like level five, but not full uh, level five. So level five minus is is probably a good description of it. Now, the decision uh, comes after a meeting of the Cabinet Subcommittee on COVID-19. They met yesterday and it's a meeting that went on into last night. The Chief Medical Officer, Dr Tony Houlihan, was there. He was warning that level five restrictions will be needed shortly after Christmas. And that's because of the number of new infections we've had over the last number of days. The Taoiseach Michal Martin, Tánis de Lío Varadkar, Green Party leader Eamon Ryan were all briefed by Tony Houlihan on the significant spike in the new cases of COVID-19. The meeting was held after the government banned and had come out with a 48-hour ban on flights and the passenger ferries in and out of Britain. And we know that's because of the new strain in the United Kingdom and how rapidly that new strain is uh, spreading. Restaurants and pubs we had thought that they were going to be closing up on the 31st before New Year's Eve but now as I say they're pulling that back to Christmas Eve. We also thought inter-county travel it was speculated that we'd be able to do that up to January the 6th. That certainly is going to be uh, pulled out and it is all to do with the rise in the new cases but obviously there's a bigger concern about this new strain and we, as of yet we still don't know if there has been any cases of this new strain but the worry is that if this new strain is in Ireland and if we are having people out socialising and we are having people meeting up in large numbers and this new strain gets into any kind of a setting we know that it will spread and spread much quicker. Now the Cabinet are meeting this morning and they'll be debating everything that was contained in the memo that was put forward by the committee uh, yesterday and then it's, it's a wait and see then we have to wait for Michal Martin to take to his feet and uh, tell us exactly what is going to happen. But there's just, it's, people need to know. And I think, I really think people need to know now sooner rather than later so that people can make decisions as to what they're going to do, particularly the one on the inter-county travel. Because there's a number of people will be teachers, for example, who will be finishing up in schools today and children will be finishing up in schools today for families who are travelling to other parts of the country to go away for Christmas. Today and tomorrow are kind of the days that there will be movement. And of course, obviously, Christmas Eve is one of the busiest days on the road. And people are worried about, well, what happens if they ban inter-county travel from midnight on St. Stephen's night? What happens if you live and work in Cork, but you're originally from Galway and you've gone home for Christmas? It looks like if they do introduce this ban on inter-county travel, it won't affect you if you need to get home. So if you're planning on 
let's use the Cork to Galway analogy. If you're from Galway and you're leaving Cork and you're going home to spend Christmas with your family, but you're not planning on coming back on, say, till after New Year, you'll still be allowed to do that. You'll still be allowed to return home. But what they don't want is for people after St. Stephen's Day to be travelling all around the country, getting to see families. So if you don't get to see your family by St. Stephen's Day, it looks like you're not going to be able to get to see them until the new year. That's kind of what the suggestion seems to be. But as I say, we will wait and see what uh, Micheál Martin has to say and we leave it over to the Cabinet. They make the final decision this morning. 1850 John says, Patricia, it's about time for another lockdown. This Covid thing will absolutely go mad over Christmas. The next six months will be a disaster. All we need now is somebody to police the level five lockdown. Uh, John feels there's never a Garda in sight, only when they're escorting Santa Clauses. So he wants level five to be introduced, introduced now and have it properly policed. Patricia says another texter, I don't think there was any need to close the churches. Instead, they should be highlighted as an example of what can be achieved by people wearing face covering and social distancing when it is practised. I think there isn't much religion up there in the Dáil and that's why they seem to close the churches uh, so much. And someone else asked, will hotels be closed after Christmas Eve? I know initially when they've been talking about limiting hospitality, it's restaurants and gastro pubs is what's been spoken about and they've always excluded hotels from it. So it is very possible that hotels won't be included if they bring in these restrictions to close restaurants and gastro pubs on Christmas Eve. It could be that hotels will be allowed to remain open but they will only be able to provide services for people that are residents of the hotel. You know, it won't be a case if you live in an area where there is a hotel that you can go in and, and have a meal and, and have a few drinks. You'll have to have been, uh, be a resident. I'm assuming that that's what they will do. But as of now, it is pointing to only restaurants and gastro pubs and hotels will be allowed to remain open. Mick and Band here was on to say Merry Christmas, Patricia, to you and your family and everybody who works at C103. Many happy returns to you, Mick. Uh, Mick says, I texted you on the 14th of September last saying, if there was a COVID-19 vaccine, the government will try and force people to take it. In response to my text, you said no that the Irish government are not like other governments in the world who force their people into doing things unfortunately Patricia I am proven correct the government have announced that they will try and introduce the vaccine certificate so if you don't get the vaccine you won't be allowed to fly you won't be allowed to go to concerts or go to matches etc this is called coercion says Mick in the dictionary coercion means the pressure are to intimidate somebody into doing something this is not free will this is not democracy and that's from Mick in uh, Bantier and you are correct Correct, Mick, in that the government are talking about vaccine certificates and vaccine certificates are being discussed all over the world. It isn't just the Irish uh, government. And the Irish government are introducing it because pressure will come from businesses and from airlines to insist that if people want to get on their aeroplane, if they want to go to a concert, perhaps if you want to go into a hotel or if you want to go, as you say, to a match, people will say, you have to have a vaccine or you're not going to be allowed in. That won't be the government making that decision. That will be individual businesses and individual airlines. I know Qantas, who fly in and out of Australia, they're an Australian airline and New Zealand, they've already said that they will not be allowing anyone onto their planes without a vaccine. And I don't think you can point the finger of blame at the government 
and vaccine certificates are not new. If you want to go to certain countries, there's a thing called a yellow cert and it's you've got to get a vaccine against yellow fever. And because yellow fever was killing so many people in other parts of the world, there's certain countries you're not allowed into without a vaccination. And many people have gone to Thailand is one country in particular now that I know when you go there, you're told to get certain vaccines for your own protection. But some countries insist that you have the vaccines or they won't allow you in. And people get those vaccines because they're going on holidays and they don't even think about it. And suddenly everyone is up in arms about the COVID-19 vaccine. But make the government, there's nobody in the government is going to force you to get the vaccine. And I stick with what I said to you on the 14th of September. It is still going to be an individual choice whether you want to get it or not. And if you obviously from your text, you'd, for whatever reason, I don't know why, you don't want uh, to get it. But that will be your, individu- your individual choice. And I don't think you can say it's coercion on behalf of the government if you make the choice not to get it. But it could limit for the foreseeable future what you're going to be able to do and not to eventually there'll be herd immunity and everyone will be free to travel around in COVID please God will be a thing of, of the past but I think you're wrong we can point the finger of blame at the government for a lot of things but I don't think there's nobody going to be put up against a wall and forced to get a COVID vaccine it will be your own uh, choice and we do know and, and thank you for your text we do know that the good news is except not for Mick obviously that the rollout of the Pfizer vaccine will begin we're told in less than a week as a consignment with enough to give just under 10,000 people is expected to arrive on uh, Saturday. And I was interested to read that the the HSE have decided that they're going to use up all of the initial doses and wait for further deliveries to give people their second dose because of course there's three weeks between the first dose and the second dose. And each country, each EU country will be getting two shipments each and each shipment has 4,875 vials are enough doses to inject 4,875 4, so we'll get two lots of that so 9,750 9, expected to arrive on Saturday which means as early as Sunday uh, we could start seeing people getting the first of the vaccines in this country and right across Europe it's expected Sunday, Monday and uh, Tuesday they will start to give vaccines to uh, their different at-risk groups and we know in this country the first people to be offered the vaccine will be people aged over 60 who are living in long-term residential care, people in our nursing homes along with the frontline health uh, workers. And then uh, we wait then for the rest of the deliveries which will come over a period of time over the next number of months. But it's going to be a wait as to how quick we're going to be able to get the vaccines. And I know it's going to be rolled out across Europe based on the nation's population. So obviously people in Germany and France will get a much bigger amount after the first rollout because they've got more population than we have here in Ireland. So it will be many, many months before everyone will get it. But it's a real good news story uh, and it's one we've been waiting on since we first heard about the coronavirus. Finally, a vaccine will be on our shores, uh, please God, by Saturday. 1850 John Paul taking your course. We're going to stick on that vaccine topic because uh, coming up after the break I'm going to talk with the Carers Association and they explain why they want carers to be prioritised when it comes to the the rollout of the vaccine. Court today on C103 with McCroom Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCroomMotors.com. 
Anger and frustration is growing that COVID vaccines are not being made a priority for carers looking after vulnerable or incapacitated family members. Catherine Cox of Family Carers Ireland uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Catherine. Morning, Patricia. Uh, you're, you're welcome to the programme. When the list of priority groups were announced, were you surprised to see no mention of carers on it? To be honest, probably not. Um, why I say that is because, um, you know, when COVID-19 first came to our doors, I suppose, carers, family carers were not included um, as a priority group to get PPE, so to get masks and, you know, hand uh, gel and gloves. And then when they released a list of priority testing, again, family carers weren't included. So when we saw the list for priority vaccinations, we weren't shocked as such. We were, as you said, angry and really, really disappointed. We really thought that at this point they would realise how important family carers have been throughout this pandemic, keeping their loved ones safe, caring for them at home and suppressing the virus in the home. There have been very few cases of um, COVID-19 in the home where people are providing full-time care. So, you know, we were we were hopeful. We had battled for this. We had you know, made contact with the group that were looking at the vaccinations and the priority group. Yes, again, carers were have seemed to be forgotten or at least ignored in this yet again. Just explain why carers feel so strongly about this, why they feel they should be prioritised. Well, because, I mean, I'll give you two cases that I, I have come across, I suppose, in the last few days. There's one case, it's a gentleman actually from Cork and he cares for his mum and his dad. Both of them are in their late 70s. Um, and I know his mum, I think, is Alzheimer's um, and his dad may be dementia as well. So they are very vulnerable, both of them. In this case, they would get the vaccination, but their son, who provides full-time care, will not. So he will still have to go out, do the shopping for them, bring them to their medical appointments, um, you know, do everything that he has to do and provide full-time care for them because they require 24-7 care. He won't get the vaccination. So what happens if he gets COVID-19? First of all, there'll be nobody there to look after his mum and dad. So potentially they may have to go into full-time care, hospital care, where they're obviously at a much greater risk. Um, And secondly, if he gets it and is unaware that he has it, he will be bringing them to all those appointments, mixing with all those other people who may be vulnerable, coming back into his home again as well. So... It just makes no sense not to give him the vaccination at the same time as his mum and dad are getting it. That's really... Another case I have is a lady in Wexford who's caring for her two sons. She's the primary carer for both boys. Now, her two boys under this new um, grouping are not... Um, they're not vulnerable to COVID-19, but they are very vulnerable in their own right because both of them are on the autism spectrum. Because one of them is under 18, he also will not get it till closer to the end of when the vaccination comes out. So she may not get it, he may not get it. But her older son, who's over 18, will get the vaccination. So again, you'll have the mom who doesn't have the vaccination providing care for the two boys. But if she gets COVID-19, Nobody can step in there and care for those two boys. They are very high needs. So again, they'll either have to go into institutional care, hospital care, or somebody, more than one person will have to go into the house and care for them. So again, it just makes so much sense that the family care would get it, would be protected and allowed to continue safely for their loved ones. 
And have you, did you write to the task force on COVID-19 vaccinations? We did. We absolutely did. We've, we've brought this up with political representatives. Um, we're part of an alliance group that have also raised this. Um, we even, um, one of our carers was on radio last week um, and the Minister for Finance happened to be on as well and brought it up with him. Um, and while he said he recognised they were a vulnerable group, he said there were other groups out there who would be vulnerable and looking to be on this priority list as well. And he said they would consider it, but that's as far as we have got. Yeah, it it, it 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 and I mean I I can speak about this on a personal note because I've got I've got a special needs daughter and I know the biggest fear for for us all year uh, was that if we got it who would look after her if if we exactly. got incapacitated and what and then my ultimate fear the one that I had nightmares about was if God forbid she got it and ended up in hospital and I we wouldn't be allowed in to look after her and I was thinking how you it's just like it's tough enough for being a a full-time carer without having these ongoing worries it's just yeah that's why I was I was beyond disappointed when when I saw the sequencing of priority groups and said God we're we're nowhere we're not we're not even mentioned uh, on it and Catherine it has been a particularly tough year for carers, hasn't it? Oh, it, it really has. Um, we did some uh, research during the year called Caring Through COVID. Um, and the figures that came out, you know, really showed, I suppose, the impact of caring on family carers, mental and physical health and well-being. And particularly because a lot of day services were closed down at the very beginning and even at this point are probably only at a resumption rate of about 50%. So we still have lost 50% of day services and support. Um, and the impact of that on a family care, particularly if they're caring for somebody who may uh, show challenging behaviours or somebody who's very used to a routine and suddenly that routine is gone um, and the person that they're caring for can't understand why that is and the only way they can respond is through behaviours that challenge. And so the carer is having to deal with all of that now on their own. They don't have the same network maybe that they had, and particularly when we went into um, level five, they didn't have family and neighbours around who could come in and you know give them a break. For example, we know respite is practically gone in most areas at this point. So family carers are getting no break from their caring role in some parts of the country at the moment. And as stressful as it is, at least when they had a respite break, it gave them a chance to recharge the batteries, you know, get a little bit of time for themselves. And a lot of that is completely gone. So while it's been such a difficult year for everybody in our society, I really feel for family carers, they've not only had a really difficult year, but they have been forgotten about in this pandemic. And I think that's what probably so makes them so hurt but angry as well. The fact that they haven't been mentioned when the teacher comes out and speaks about, you know, the frontline workers, which the frontline workers are amazing and we are right right rightfully so to, to you know, the, the the clap every night. But family care has never got that recognition. And you know, they haven't been um, you know, applauded for what they've done over the last number of months, and they should be. Um, because as I said at the beginning, they have suppressed the virus in their homes. They've kept their loved ones safe, but it has come at a cost to their mental and physical health and well-being. And again, they have been ignored, really, and forgotten about, unfortunately. Um, and do you know, in other countries, are any other countries prioritising family carers? 
Do you know? They are. In fact, in Scotland, what they did is, um, while the group that were looking at who the priorities should be, they came out with a priority group. And then I think the government actually stepped in and put family carers in there as a group. So, in fact, Scotland have uh, recognised and have named family carers as a priority group for the vaccinations. Um, I don't know about other countries, but certainly Scotland being close okay. to us is okay. one that has. And just finally, what advice do you give to family carers listening to you this morning, Catherine, as we head into Christmas and the festive period? Um, look, the one thing I'd say to them is, uh, uh, Family Cares Ireland, we're here for them. Um, we do have our pre-phone care line. Um, the number is one eight hundred twenty four zero seven twenty four. So if you are having difficulties or just need a listening ear or somebody to talk to, do call our free phone care line. We also, on our website, which is familycares.ie, there is lots of, I suppose, information there, um, lots of information around mindfulness and, you know, how to, I suppose, just how to get through the, uh, the next few weeks as well, to know that we're here for them. Ask friends, ask family if you do need help. And I know that can be difficult for family carers sometimes as well, but take any help that is offered. And I say to other people out there who know a family carer, please ask them how they are, how they're doing, if there's anything you can do for them, even if it's just maybe to pick up their shopping or, you know, pick up something from the pharmacy, just see how they are. And sometimes just the gift of time from somebody can mean a huge amount. So more so message for Friends of family carers and people out there, if you know somebody who's caring, see how they are over Christmas and see if you can help them in any way. At well all. said, well said. OK, listen, a happy Christmas to you, Catherine. You too, Patricia. And uh, we'll talk again in the New Year. Stay safe. Thanks so much. Thanks Take a million. Bye bye. That is uh, Catherine Cox of Family Carers Ireland. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103 with McCroom Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCroomMotors.com. We continue to keep an eye on any news coming out from the Dáil from that Cabinet meeting, which is due to begin at 11 o'clock this morning. Just the very latest, uh, the Minister Eamon Ryan, leader of the Green Party, he on his way into the meeting this morning uh, confirmed that there will be a phased return to targeted closures for pubs, cafes and hairdressers and more doesn't say what the more is and he says that the new he confirmed that the new restrictions which are being called level 5 minus will be introduced on a phase basis across the coming days and not just on one date which is is what Neffet is believed to have called for us so they won't go with everything that Neffet are looking for but there definitely is going to be a phased closure of the gastro pubs the restaurants the cafes hairdressers and more 1850 333 103 now as the festive season is officially upon us and this morning we're hoping to raise awareness about the importance of people living with type 2 diabetes to monitor their condition over the Christmas period especially as many people like to sit back and indulge Dr Mark Hannan is a consultant physician and endocrinologist in Bantry Hospital and uh, Mark joins me this morning. Good morning to you Mark. Good morning, how are you? I'm very well and and you're welcome. I suppose, can you just start by explaining the difference between type 1 and type 2 diabetes? Right, thank you, yes. So the majority of diabetes in Ireland is type 2 diabetes and this tends to 
to affect people who are, are a middle-aged and older. So essentially, through a combination of genetic factors, poor diet, lack of exercise and obesity, the blood sugar level in these patients begins to rise slowly over time. And, I, and over a long period, that high level of sugar causes damage to various organs, such as the feet, eyes, heart and the kidneys. Um, the difference then is type 1 diabetes. Type 1 diabetes is a disease which predominantly affects younger people and this is caused uh, by the body essentially stopping the production of insulin um, in a, on, um, over a very short period. So patients who have type 1 diabetes have to go on to insulin treatment from diagnosis, whereas patients with type 2 diabetes cannot can often use diet and exercise initially and then tablets rather than insulin to control their blood sugar levels. Um, and once diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, is it possible to reverse it? Yes, so the key is, is diagnosis early. So patients who are diagnosed early, if they um, um, follow advice regarding diet, exercise and weight loss can often reverse their diabetes or if not completely reverse it, they can often make a major impact in its control. And do you believe it's underdiagnosed in this country? Um, I think it is un- un- underdiagnosed, uh, in particular type 2 diabetes, because patients with type 2 diabetes will, o- will only have symptoms when their blood sugar level has been quite high for a long time. So people who have the risk factors for diabetes, such as being overweight, poor diet, poor exercise, or a strong family history of diabetes, may have high sugar levels and not be aware of it. And it's only when the sugar is very high and they begin to have symptoms that then they um, seek medical attention and get diagnosed. And do you think some people are just nervous about reaching out to a doctor and, and going and saying, I think I'm in trouble here, and yeah, they, they put it off? Yeah, I think at the moment that's very, um, that's very prevalent. Obviously, everybody is aware how busy the health services are, both in GP level and also in the hospital levels with coronavirus. But it is very important that if you have a medical issue, not to ignore it. The majority of complications of diabetes are, um, tend to worsen and progress over time. So the, the, the earlier one seeks attention, the earlier it can be addressed and reversed. Yeah, as with anything, it's always yes. uh, early detection is, is important. So to somebody perhaps listening who may have diabetes that hasn't been uh, diagnosed, what are the classic symptoms and the issues that they may be experiencing? So the main symptoms that patients have when they have a high level of blood sugar for a long time would be severe thirst, passing lots of urine, losing weight and also extreme fatigue. Now, um, in patients whose sugar level isn't that high, they may just have the fatigue and they may not have the, the thirst and the passing lots of urine. But certainly if somebody has extreme thirst and passing a large volume of urine, that will be a red flag for having their blood sugar levels checked. And it's just into your doctor, into your GP. Exactly. So um, what people should do, I know at the moment with the coronavirus situation, it it can be more difficult to access services. The most important thing really is to make phone contact with your GP and arrange to have blood tests done. It's a very straightforward blood test to measure one's blood sugar level. And if the level is high, then a diagnosis of diabetes can be made there and then. And then as we head into, as I said at the outset, you know, it's it's Christmas time. People have a tendency to overindulge. We all are guilty of it in some ways over over Christmas. Yes. What do somebody with type 2 diabetes, what, what do they need to keep in mind over Christmas? Yes, yeah, so there are a few issues. I suppose the first thing um, to emphasise is it's very, very important that patients with diabetes in particular follow the government's advice about coronavirus because it does tend to affect people who put diabetes more severely and more frequently. Um, the other important thing that patients can do is the majority of patients with diabetes have a machine for checking their blood sugar levels at home called a glucometer and they can use that machine to self-monitor and if their sugars begin to rise it can be a, a warning sign and it can prompt them to seek medical help. Um, even though people tend to over 
overindulge over Christmas, it's still important to maintain some sort of routine with regular meals and regular exercise. I know at this time of the year and with the weather the way it is, it can be difficult to get regular exercise, but it's important that people build that into their daily routine, even when they're um, indulging over the Christmas. Yeah, you'll find times where the yes. weather is going. And we were just looking at the weather forecast. It's not going to be that bad this Christmas. No, not too bad, yeah. So get, get out and, and, you know, you can still have your treats. Just take it easy, but make sure that you get out and have your walks in between. Exactly. You can still have some treats and enjoy the festive season, but try, try, and, maintain a, try, try and maintain a regular schedule. Try to get regular exercise and use your home blood sugar meter to record your sugars and keep an eye on yourself. And outside of checking in regularly with your GP, is there anywhere else people could go to yes, make sure so, uh, that they're managing their diabetes? At the moment, people have been making much more use of online resources, which are quite good. Diabetes Ireland have a website called diabetes.ie, which is very useful in terms of obtaining um, clear information about self-management and diagnosis. There's also a website called diabeteswhatsnext.com, which is a very good resource in terms of information on type 2 diabetes also. So if it is difficult to see a GP or, or a hospital doctor or if people... Are, um, are, um, are self-isolating at home the internet is a great source of information in, in your own home OK and how is everybody getting on in Bantry General Hospital are you busy? Yes busy but coping at the moment thanks very much and I think everyone in the community ha- has been very uh, aware of coronavirus and following the government advice very closely and that's really helping Yeah absolutely OK listen we'll stay safe uh, Mark and thank you very much for great, joining us you. on the programme Good morning to you That you. is uh, Dr Mark Hannon joining us in Bantry General Hospital consultant physician and endocrinologist just with words of advice if you have type 2 diabetes a, it's important if you think you have it to go to a, a doctor and don't be put off or nervous about going along and saying, I think I'm in a, a bit of bother here. But then if you do have it, it's following all of the guidelines. We can all still have a happy Christmas. But you, if you've got type 2 diabetes, it's so, so important that you keep an eye on your high blood sugar levels. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed email dropped into our my inbox uh, this morning. Now, I won't call out the lady's name just in case that she doesn't want to be identified but this really I think sums up how difficult Christmas can be for some but also there's a great sense of hope in this email as well. Let me read it to you and it reads as the big day approaches and the expectations of what Christmas means to us. Take a step back and actually look and take stock. I've written to you before, Patricia, of my memories of Christmas in my childhood and throughout my married life. As a young girl, the mood of Christmas was always dictated by the mood of my father. Drink, unfortunately, played a huge role in these situations. But the anxiety and the stress was palpable. And even if the mood was good, the fear had spoiled the anticipation of what a happy Christmas should be. We see the twinkling lights, the happy faces, the Christmas trees and the baubles. And in many cases, what exists beneath the surface is fear, anxiety and stress. You try to make it as good as possible for children, but they can be affected. They see the trepidation. They feel the tension. I can empathise as I know exactly what that feeling is. And Patricia, it is the feeling that reaches into your heart and deep into your stomach. It runs through your blood and you just want the whole thing to be over. Many parents will feel the economic pressures this year. Many will be in food poverty. With three young children, I felt the mental abuse of being dependent on someone who decided what they thought they needed to spend at Christmas time. 
I had gone from the frying pan into the fire and it was drilled into me that this was exactly what I deserved. All I ever wanted, Patricia, was a nice, quiet Christmas with peace of mind and a safe place to be. And as I've said before, I did just that. It wasn't easy and I would never say it was, but by God, it was worth it. I got the help I needed when I made the decision that I was worth more than what I had. For the last 30 years, I celebrate Christmas my way, a quiet way, a happy way where I am in control. I do not get over Christmas and this year will be no exception. I have what I need and I have a good and a worthwhile life. I don't feel the need to be out and about all of the time. I enjoy me time and I'm happy in my own company. I embrace the silence. Sometimes my mind takes me back to that anxious child and that unhappy wife, but only to remind myself that it was not the norm and was not the way life should be. We see it in the movies, what an idyllic Christmas is, but life is not a movie. So my advice is to slow down and remember what is important in our lives. Remember that there are many with an empty chair around the table this year. Enjoy the Christmas as best you can and in a way that is comfortable for you. Let us all come out of this time together. Isn't that a powerful, powerful, powerful piece? Thank you to the listener who sent that in to us and actually later on in the programme we will be dealing with that issue of you know this Christmas there will be an empty chair around the table due to bereavement and we will be dealing with bereavement at Christmas with uh, Joe Heffernan but there also will be many empty chairs around the table because of Covid and travel restrictions and people not being able to uh, travel but I think this listener paints such an incredible picture of what it was like you know being in a an abusive relationship and as a child growing up with an alcoholic parent and that fear, even when times were good, always fearful in case something was going to uh, kick off and then to have gone, as she said, from the frying pan into the fire and ended up marrying a man and ended up in an abusive relationship. But she got out of it, which is which is that's where the hope comes. And it also brings me back to just yesterday's programme when we had the listener who contacted us who has gotten out of an abusive relationship just in August of this year. Imagine in the middle of everything that was going on with the pandemic to finally get the courage up to get this man out of the house. And of course, as we found out yesterday, he destroyed the house before he left but what she didn't know was he'd gone up into the attic and destroyed all of her Christmas bits and pieces and it smashed up all the little ornaments in the crib that was so dear to her but thank, thankfully we got that sorted yesterday with one of our extremely kind listeners who arrived in with a hamper of goodies for her it's just so we're going to try and make contact with her again just to make sure that everything is okay uh, with her but she'll be having that first peaceful Christmas where she's able to take control and you know she will be in charge of Christmas and she has a special needs uh, child and we wish them uh, the two of them nothing but just a most glorious glorious Christmas and and her time will come where she'll be able to look back and uh, reflect and just look back on the bad Christmases and realise they're in the past now and, and she moves uh, forward but thank you to that listener for that okay some of your comments coming in to uh, us people are asking when is the announcement uh, going to be made okay what we're hearing is that the government will make the announcement shortly after the cabinet meeting they won't wait until this evening and I can already tell you the podium has been put out you know the podium that they bring out for when Michael Martin makes these speeches that's already out in 
government buildings so they're all set and ready to go. I'm assuming the media has been contacted. They're saying lunchtime but seeing online it could be as early as half twelve and it could be after one. If it is at half twelve we're keeping an eye on the doll here in the studio and if it is at half twelve I will bring it to you at live uh, where possible but you know it's it's a move, it's a movable feast but it is certainly going to be around lunchtime today is when we when we will find out what the government have decided to do. Will they go with all of Neffet's advice? Will they take part of Neffet's advice? Will they adapt Neffet's advice? But we'll find out what's to close and what's not to close and what's going to stay open and where we can go and where, where we can't go. Some of your thoughts in. Pubs and restaurants are the easy target again, says this texter. Why not close off the off-licences? Surely by closing off the off-licences, you'll get rid of all the house parties. Open the pubs and the restaurants with only so many people per square metres allowed in. If you do, they do not adhere to those rules, then close them with immediate effect. Why don't the government tell the truth on this? They don't want to close the off-licences. Why, says this texter? Too much revenue is made from VAT and excise duty on alcohol. Two years ago, 70% of all alcohol sold in this country was from an off-licence. 30% came from the pubs. Dr Tony Houlihan has said in the past that this virus loves alcohol. Is it only the pub alcohol it likes? Is the off-licence alcohol must be different, says this texter, who's another one of those. And how many times have we heard our listeners shout for that? Why are at least restrictions put on off-licence sales? Hi Patricia, if they decide to close restaurants and pubs, I feel hotels should also be shut too. People are going to go now and book into hotels. How are they going to solve any problems? Some people will do everything right and now we can't even go to visit a family as we normally do over uh, uh, after Christmas Day. Yeah, well, we've got to wait and see how many days after Christmas they're going to allow people to uh, travel. But it's uh, we've got to wait and see what they decide at the meeting. Patricia, last time the government rejected Neffet's advice, they had to backtrack and they had to do it very swiftly. Their actions did them no favours. Why not learn from their previous mistakes and willingly accept the health experts' recommendations? Yeah, we've well certainly before we went into the six week lockdown in October, about a month before that, Neffet had suggested that we do that we went into that lockdown earlier. And I think if we'd done that earlier, it would have given businesses a longer run in the lead up to uh, Christmas. But they in the politicians decided in their wisdom not to do it. And then they ended up having to do it. And then we ended up with a longer, stricter lockdown because of it. So, yeah, you, you could be right. Listen, Neffet are not sitting there twiddling their thumbs, making this up to say, oh, we'll just make sure everyone has a miserable Christmas. They're doing it because they're trying to protect us all. And now that, you know, this great news of the rollout of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine uh, could be as early as Saturday, you, you know, the... The end is in sight. We just need to really knuckle down and just protect ourselves and protect each other until we can finally get enough vaccine onto our shores and put COVID-19 behind us. But we're certainly on a wrong trajectory at the moment. Hi, Patricia. At least they can't blame the wet pubs this time. The gastro pubs should never have been allowed to open. It should have been all or uh, nothing, says this texter. 1850 John Paul continues to take your calls. If you want to text or WhatsApp, you can to 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. 
Now, a taxi or a minibus driver is wanted for a school run that's in Cork City, while CE placements are available in Blarney, Inniscara, Kilcolly, Whitechurch and the Grenagh area. Vacancies are for caretakers, groundskeepers and office assistants. The Montsecure Hospital in Cork are recruiting for a cardiac psychologist. It's for a maternity leave contract. And Ballancolic coaches, they're looking for a bus driver, full and part-time school transport uh, contract. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Cork today on C103. With McCroom Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCroomMotors.com. C103. I'm just being told that the Cabinet meeting is expected to run later than was earlier believed and now the announcement is not expected at 12.30. There'll be a delay of at least an hour. So they did initially say lunchtime. So about half past one now is the expected uh, time, even though the podium is outside the door waiting for we're assuming it'll be Micheál Martin and whether Leo Varadkar and Eamon Ryan will also join him and whether the Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly, will join him as well. But it's expected about half past one. Now, we've continued to get calls in from listeners saying that the restaurants and the gastropubs should remain open. And many people are saying that there's simply too many house parties going on and that keeping pubs open might actually stop some of these parties from going ahead. So to try to gauge how common are these house parties, John, who's a taxi driver has contacted us. Good morning to you, John. Good morning. Now, John, you, you work you work at night. You're, you're, you do a night I, shift. I do. Well, I have minibuses as well as the taxi. Okay, so you're out you're out and about at night time when most of us are in our beds. Yeah. Are you getting calls from homes and houses and is it obvious that a house party is going on? I, I, I'm doing emergency calls so my phone is on 24-7 and... Uh, between 12 o'clock and 3 o'clock in the morning, most nights of the week I'm getting calls from parties, from people trying to get home. Mo- most nights of the week? Every Yeah, you could say practically every night of the week, yeah. And that wouldn't have been the case? Before. Oh, no, no. No, never. Um, like, normally this time of the year, I would be doing staff parties, uh taking people out for meals, everything, you know, like that. But no, no, we can't. And um, the amount, but the amount of calls from um, houses is unbelievable. Do you think if the pubs were open, it would stop some of these parties? Um, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so, because it seems to be the same kind of age group, same sort of people that ring every night, you know? What age group are you talking about? Usually mid-twenties, thirties, you know, 25 to 35 kind of group. Yeah, but it was interesting during the six-week lockdown, the the last one, the, the October one, we saw a noticeable drop in cases in that younger age group, in that 18 to 30 year old age group, there was a mark drop in COVID cases. So it proved that they were going out into the pubs, they were going into the restaurants, they were uh, socialising. But yet you say they were still socialising, but they're just doing it in houses instead. Yeah, but this t- they tend to have been, for the last few years, not just with the COVID, I've seen it that the, the 
you know, when I would pick up people, we'll say, to take them up to a nightclub in Cork or to bring them to a nightclub in Mallow, it used to always be from pubs and that. Yeah. Now it's from houses. So it, 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 the trend seems to be from houses anyway, you know? Yeah, I think the younger generation are certainly, I mean, the pre-drinking wasn't around a number of years ago. They seem to drink now at home, possibly because of the cost. I don't know. I mean, somebody was making the point that a couple of years ago, there was uh, stats out showing two years ago that 70% of all alcohol sale in this country was from an off licence and only 30% was from pubs. That was two years ago. So that definitely is tying in with what you're saying. People are drinking at home. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. And do they talk about the house parties? Would you know how many people are at these house parties? Well, you know, because they're ringing. They're ringing and they're, they're, you can hear the noise in the background constantly. Yeah. And no, we can't. We obviously can't do it. Our, our directive is, at the moment, is for essential purposes, our essential workers is all we can carry. So that, we, that, you know, it's point, pointless people ringing us because we just can't. We can't do it. Is that for all taxis or just for your for your business? Well, that's it. If you go into the Department of T-shirt website for transport, yeah, and that's the directive: essential purposes or essential workers. That's at late at night. At well, you see, during the day, the, the essential purposes would be for oh, you're going shopping, shopping and stuff. Of course, and, yeah. of course, so, of course. Oh, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. So we, um, like, once the shops close, we are. I presume we're supposed to stop bringing people around the place. Unless you're dropping a nurse up to the hospital yeah. to go to work. Or, yeah. you're, or, you... or bringing someone from work or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I had, I, cause I had the taxi business, John. You've had a tough year this year. We've had a very tough year, very tough. Like, as I said, we would be, my diary would be completely full now with staff parties and bringing people to even race meetings at, over the Christmas or matches down to Thorman Park usually and you know and that's all finished And this would be the month where I'm assuming you'd make the bit of money that would tide you over in January when it would be leaner Yeah Yeah Yeah. It would be it would be helping towards your tax bill and whatever like you know And we're waiting on we know the cabinet are meeting as we speak and we're we're told the announcement is going to be earlier rather than have to wait until 6 o'clock this evening uh, you know, and I mean, even though they make these announcements and nothing new comes out of it because so much, so much gets leaked beforehand. But it is looking like the the, the gastro pubs are going to close, the restaurants are going to close. Do you think that's the right move? Um, pro- well, probably. I mean, they're going to have to practically do a full clamp down and see how we get on with it. But um, until the vaccines are widely available, I would imagine it's the only way to go. Was it the wrong move to reopen? I think so. Mm-hmm. I think so. Um, and I think going from one level to the other level was confusing for an awful lot of people. People just didn't realise what they could do and what they can't do. They still, I still get it every night, like, the, you know, with the calls. People just don't realise that we, we can't. We can't actually do it. And this new, what they're talking about now, this level five minus, is going to be even more confusing. Yeah. I, yeah. I think if they, you know, if they pick on a level and stick with it, let it fail or let it succeed or whatever, like, but at least people will know exactly what they can do and what they can't do. 
Yeah, clear messaging is yeah. what, is, is, is what I it means. I think it has to be spelt out to everybody because people don't. I'm, I, I mean, this week alone I've had calls from people wanting to do staff party in Killarney. Um, I've had a 40th birthday party in Cork they wanted to go to. Um, you know, lots of calls like that. So, and, uh, so people are doing their own thing is what you're saying. They're, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And what about the shops? Town, town busy? I do the local link, you know, where I bring in all the um, people from the country, from the villages, one day a week or two days a week into Mallow to shop. Yeah. And that, before the bus would have been, would have been full nearly, now it's down to maybe two or three passengers. Are people afraid to go out? Yeah, the people that tend to use that local link service, which is a brilliant service. Yeah. Um, tend to be an older people and um, they're just not travelling. So somebody else doing their shopping for yeah, them? Yeah, they're doing yeah. it. Yeah. yeah no, we do a delivery service for a lot of them as well. And the town, is your, your, your Mallow town base, the town is busy. Oh, the town is very busy, you see, and I think that frightens a lot of the, the elderly as well. You know, when they come into town and see... The town is, and it has been for the last couple of days, very busy. And the traffic? Yeah. God, the traffic's manic, isn't it? <laughs> you can't, I mean, to try to get from one side of the town to the other side of town. I know, it's, um, I think somebody ran a metre at one stage, you know, the, the taxi metre. Most Now, most people don't charge what comes up on the metre, but it went up to about 18 euro to go from one side of town <laughs> to the other. <laughs> you get to Cork quicker than you get from yeah. one side of Mallow to the other yeah. side. Okay, listen, uh, John. Uh, good talking to you. Have a have a happy have a happy Christmas. And the same to you and to all the staff. And uh, thanks a million for joining us. Okay, uh, good morning million. to you. Bye bye. Eighteen fifty at three 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 one zero three. I hadn't thought about that. If you're ringing a taxi late at night, you actually, if you are living a, under the restrictions and the proper rules and regulations that are there, you should only be calling a taxi for an essential service, an essential service during the day to get out if you're doing your shopping and you need a taxi to get your messages home. That's okay. That's deemed essential travel. But you shouldn't be contacting or calling a taxi late at night to get home from a restaurant or to to take you from one house party to uh, another house party. You shouldn't actually be doing it. I I hadn't thought about that. That was one of these. I tell you, there's just been so many changes to the rules and the regulations and uh, what we should and we shouldn't do be doing and now for about half past one today there's going to be another lot of rules and regulations we don't know if we're coming or going John Paul is taking your calls so you can text our WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Court today on C103 with McCroom Motors leading the way for Toyota hybrids the place to order your 211 Toyota see McCroomMotors.com We've just launched a brand new radio station exclusively online. C103 Anthems. To listen to C103 Anthems, download our phone app, ask your smart speaker, or go to c103.ie. C103 Anthems. And on Christmas Eve, by the way, we're going to try and play as many 
of the older Christmas songs that we don't have a tendency to play on the radio and we're hoping to do requests because we don't do a lot of requests uh, throughout the year on the programme so if you have loved ones maybe abroad who are going to be away this Christmas and you want us to uh, play a request because of course the one thing now with, with the internet people can hear us all over the world but if you want to get a request in or if you have a particular song that you want us to mention I know already uh, we've had so many people saying when are you going to play Frank Kelly and his 12 Days of Christmas we all always play that on Christmas Eve and I promise you faithfully uh, we will. It's a very long song so I never get the opportunity to play it except on Christmas Eve but if anybody has requests please get them into us and you can email uh, patricia at c103.ie or you can call our uh, text uh, as well and we'll do our best to get through as many of them as we can on Christmas Eve. Now clubs from the Carberry GAA division have asked the Cork County Board to reset the fundraising targets which are imposed on clubs under the new Rebels Bounty draw. To explain more, I'm joined by Tom Lyons, of, who is the chairman of Carberry GAA. Uh, good morning to you, Tom. Good morning, Patricia, you, and a happy Christmas. Well, many happy returns. Okay. Now, we've already, we, we spoke about this the week before last, I'm sure, in the programme, but can you start by reminding people how the Rebels Bounty Draw operates? Well, the situation is that it's replacing an old club member's draw that was going on for years between the county board and the clubs. And the clubs would sell tickets, but it was a a voluntary thing. You didn't have to join it. Some clubs did, some clubs didn't. And it brought in money for the county board, but the clubs got about 40% of the return of that draw straight back into their own cash, okay? Yeah. Now... The county board have decided on their new fundraising. Now, they have to do something because of the state of their finances. And they've decided to revise all this old members' draw and turn it into this new bounty draw. But there are huge differences with the old one. And the first one is that you have to sell a certain amount of tickets. Uh, The bigger you are, the the higher grade you are in the club, the senior clubs have to sell 100. All that money will go straight to the county board, not a penny back to the clubs until you pass the 100 mark. And the smaller clubs, junior clubs and so on, would have to sell less. So the so, junior was 50 and the intermediate was 75, wasn't it? Something around that, yeah. yeah okay. And, and, and they're €100 Euro a ticket, the ticket it's price. It's €100 Euro a ticket, and you see, number one, it's not voluntary anymore. Clubs have to do it. They have to sell these tickets, and they have no option. And we have grave reservations and we have very worried clubs out there about that going on at the moment for different reasons, Patricia. Now, when the targets were set, Tom, was the club size or the population base, was that taken into consideration? No, and it's one of our big objections. They took the easy road out and they simply said, we'll put a target on senior clubs, intermediate clubs, junior clubs. It was a nice, easy way to run it. Instead of looking at the population of each club and its membership and its catchment area, it would have taken a bit of work, but not much, and it would have been a much fairer system to go down. We have big senior clubs here in the county that are fully capable of reaching a target of 100 tickets. But we have small senior clubs, especially in rural areas, that will find it very difficult with small population to reach that figure. And as you go down the line, it gets even harder for our junior clubs. It's not a fair system at all, and it's one of the main objections. Well, we're not objecting to the draw, Patricia. It's needed, 
and the county board needs to to raise finance. We have no problems with that, but we do have the problem with the structure of the draw. Yeah, and there's a, there's a huge difference between a club in a bigger urban area uh, than a club in a rural area. I mean, there, it's there chalk is. and cheese. Yeah, there is. We have, for instance, Town, fair play to them, a rural club, small enough club, and they have two senior teams. They have reached senior grade. And they will be expected to raise the same target as the big senior St. Finbars and so on nah, and Bell and Colleague with 20,000 That's just people. simply unfair. And also yeah. the fact that it's not voluntary. That, must, that, that can't be going down well. That's not going down well at all. And the back of that then is the fact that every club has to do it, but they are not saying, the county board is not saying what will happen to a club if they simply refuse, they cannot genuinely do it or reach the target. What will happen to those clubs? They will offer help, they said, but sending out somebody to talk to you about it, Patricia, is not putting feet out there, collecting tickets, going to people, begging money. It's not. And this committee might work a small, but it's not good enough to say that to us. They're not saying what will happen to those clubs. They said it's not a punitive draw, it's an incentive draw they're claiming. But we would very much, you know, like to know what will happen to clubs who just cannot reach their targets. And is it true when I first mentioned it, when a listener drew our attention to it, that if a club, say a senior club, asked to sell 100 tickets and if they only sell 90, is it true that the club has to make up the difference out of their own finances? That was said at the start and they have kind of pulled back on that then and they're refusing to repeat that statement at county board level. They're not saying what will happen, but the idea is probably that yes, that maybe this year you'll get away with 90, but next year you'd have to have 100, and the following year you'd have to have 110 to make up for the 90 that oh. you this year. So there's a lot behind it that's not being communicated to the clubs properly, and that is our other objection. The communication between the board and the clubs is not good enough on this issue at all. Now, I understand the pandemic, and they can't have any meetings and so on, that's understandable, but the communication is still lacking. But are they also expecting, it is a pandemic, are they also expecting club members to go out door to door? How are you expected to sell these tickets? You've put your finger on our second biggest problem <laughs> as regards this draw, Patricia. Nobody, and especially now with the pandemic getting worse and we'll be closed down for January without a doubt, and the first draws in February, clubs cannot go out fundraising. It's as simple as that. Now, the answer we got to that was there are other ways of doing it. Now, that is not an answer to any club. There are other innovative ways of doing fundraising. Maybe there are, but you're still talking of volunteers having to do this in the middle of a pandemic. Nobody is going to come knocking at my door selling tickets in the middle of a pandemic. No. And you can't expect... No, no. And, and also they have to keep in mind, and, and I absolutely accept what you said at the outset, that they need to make money and, you know, the, financially a lot of places and a lot of organisations are struggling and I accept all of that. But equally, 
families are struggling. I mean, I've dealt with people on this programme who are in food poverty. Now, their neighbours might know that they're in food poverty and suddenly you're expecting a neighbour to come and say, oh, will you support the GAA draw? Nobody knows what's going on behind closed doors. No, they don't, Patricia. And I I was already speaking to one person this morning and we were talking about these new uh, regulations that will come in as regards our restaurants and so on. And they're actually expecting those restaurants and so on to close down until Easter. And if that happens, some of those won't resurrect again at all. And they're our support base. And pubs are closed, which was another great support base. And it just isn't for people. Now, they say there's a lot of money out there in savings and so on, but it's not the ordinary people who have it. And these are club supporters who are already contributing greatly, especially as regards the club lotto uh, that goes on every week. They're already contributing there, and we are asking them again to put their hands in their pockets. And, Patricia, can I say one thing? The reason for this draw is not being made clear either. For instance, you up to this, you had a, a divide between the running of the county board and the finances needed there. And then you had Parky Cueve with its €20 million Euro debt. Mm. They were kept separate. From this year on, it's all one in the thing called One Cork is being set up. And all that will be lumped in together now, so nobody can actually say for certain where the proceeds of this draw will go, whether to the clubs or to Parky Creeve to pay off a debt, we don't know. We can't go out there and ask people to pay off the debt for Parky Creeve. Because that's what people will say to you. That's what they're going to say at the doors. If we ever get to the doors, that's what people will say, and we can't answer that. And there'll be a there'll be a lot of selling in a hundred tickets before the actual club makes one euro. Exactly. If if your club under the old draw was making we say three thousand euro, which was small for the big clubs, say if they were making five thousand euro a year out of the old draw, they would have to sell an extra fifty tickets above the hundred <sighs> in order to make that money again that they were making last year. And they year. already struggled to get the three thousand I imagine last year as well. It is I mean a, a hundred euro ticket. It isn't a simple thing like will you buy a line there for two euro? Look it's a big ask. It's a huge ask and, and the thing is the suggestion has been made that this draw would replace the club lotto. Now a club lotto is done on a weekly basis and you sell the tickets two euro a line inside in a pub or at a match or something, people will buy them off you. You cannot sell these tickets in that fashion. And it's not fair on clubs. And that club lotto is keeping many clubs going in the county, and they will be expected to give that up to replace it with this draw and make money out of this draw. They're not the same thing at all. And you can't run two of them side by side properly. And again, Patricia, I say again, we're a voluntary organisation. In every club, there's a small handful of maybe five or six people that were involved in the old draw and bringing in the tickets, making the money. They're being very doubtful about this new draw, a lot of them. And we understand their doubts and they'll have to be answered, what it's all about. And is it fair to say that many clubs are within your own division are struggling financially, Tom? Absolutely, yeah. totally. Yes, they are. And we've had communication from 10 of our 26 clubs and they say they just cannot do this at the moment. They're already into development themselves that they're paying for. They're up to their ears in the banks. They're struggling to meet ends and they're being asked to do this on top of it. And it's the timing in the middle of a pandemic is all wrong. 
you know, why they discontinued the old law to start up this new one in the middle of a pandemic is not, you just can't understand why they decided it now. You know, it was a wrong decision and it should be revisited. Okay, all right. You've, you've so, and just one other point, uh, Tom. Yep. Has there been much promotion by the county board of this new draw? That's another one. <laughs> no, somebody was talking to you. No, I wasn't. I, 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 I wasn't. I, I was thinking about it last night when I knew you were coming on, and I was thinking because I've been talking about it for a few weeks. I was saying I don't think I've seen any ads for this draw. Exactly. We had one club stood up. At, well, they didn't stand up. We were online for a convention, and one club said that very thing that there were pamphlets sent out to the clubs about the draw. And uh, they were put into the, the boot of the cal of the secretary, whatever they were, and they're still there. That's the only promotion. And they promised promotion. They promised the club would have nothing to do with promoting. That would be all done by the county board. It's not okay. being done. I think, by the back, county, I think board, the I county board need to go back to the drawing board on this one. We're, this, we're fully behind them, Patricia, yeah. in meeting their expenses and in everything but else. But there's and got to be a fairer way to do it. There has to be. Yeah. But we're just asking that they revisit, look at structure first and see if they can have a fairer structure, look at the timing of it and the targets they've set and come back to the clubs then and they will get support, but it must be done properly. Okay, listen Tom, we really appreciate you talking to us. Have a, have a lovely Christmas. And you too, and, Patricia, and it's an issue, a very safe one. <laughs> and it's an issue I know we'll be talking about again in 2021 for sure. Well, we'll be back to you then too. We might be a lot angrier by then, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Look after yourself and stay smiling. And Take you care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, that is uh, Tom Lyons, who is the chairman of uh, Carberry GAA division. Certainly not happy with the Rebels' a bounty draw. Your thoughts? Welcome to 1850-333-103. And I can just tell you, breaking news, the Cabinet have agreed that people can travel beyond their county until the end of Stevens's day. So that's midnight on the 26th of December. People can then stay where they are at that point and travel back to their own home later. So if you've left and you're there, you can stay there until your holiday is over, your Christmas break is over and then come come home. However, as and from midnight on Stevens's day, there will be no new inter-county travel allowed after that date. Household visits are to be reduced to one other household and that's from the 27th of December. The restaurants and the gastro pubs will have to close at three o'clock on Christmas Eve and travel restrictions from Britain are to remain in place until December the 31st. Okay, that is the latest coming out from Cabinet. We're still waiting for the official uh, announcement of it by the Taoiseach, but that is the that is uh, the latest that the Cabinet have agreed. So, Stevens's Day, midnight, that's when your inter-county travel ends. Household visits, only one other household can come to your home from the 27th and the restaurants and the gastro pubs that's going to be devastating news to those businesses three o'clock on Christmas Eve and the travel restrictions from Britain December the 31st and whether that will change again only time will tell You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed People trying to trying to update and we're trying to update ourselves on the new COVID restrictions which are going to be brought forward this afternoon at Christmas. Well, it hasn't, as um, 
Sean Defoe, our political correspondent, said it hasn't been cancelled, but it certainly has been severely limited. Early uh, From early afternoon on Christmas Eve, much of the hospitality sector will close and that's going to include pubs and uh, restaurants. Three o'clock seems to be the time that, that pubs and gast- gastro pubs and restaurants, um, and I'm assuming three o'clock people will have to be off the premises by uh, three o'clock. Now somebody is saying, Patricia, any updates on barbers? Are they OK? Are they going to uh, stay open? I don't know if you're working in a barber's or you are a barber because of bad news for you. Hairdressers, barbers, beauticians, cinemas and galleries will all close as well. They're all expected to close on Christmas Eve. But gyms and non-essential retail will be allowed to stay open with tighter restrictions on how many people are going to be allowed in store. So we'll wait for more detail on that. And then from midnight on St. Stephen's Day, inter-county travel will be banned, though people will be able to return home from wherever they are after that date. And the ban on the UK travel extended until at least the 31st of December and household visits will also be phased down and out over the next two weeks. At the moment, we were allowed to have people visiting if visiting our households, but they, that's going to be gone. And I can just tell you other bits and pieces that's coming out from the Cabinet meeting, which, by the way, is still ongoing. It's going to be after one o'clock now before we get the official confirmation from the government. But the mood of the Cabinet meeting is described as worried. It's described as sombre. And it's understood that ministers attending the meeting have heard that the number of COVID-19 cases this evening will exceed 900. Now, that's a massive massive number and it has been rising day on uh, day. There will be no household mixing after the 1st of uh, January. The hairdressers, they're expected Christmas Eve, by the way, for the hairdressers, the barbers and the beauticians will be expected. I'm assuming they can do, you know, whatever bookings they have on Christmas Eve, but that's it. They will be gone then from Christmas Eve. The number of wedding guests are also going to be reduced to six. That'll be from the 2nd of uh, January. And these restrictions that will be officially announced at lunchtime today will be reviewed again on the 12th of January. I'm also being told that churches and worship will move online from the 26th of December. So while we know that priests are going to great efforts to organise mass over Christmas, but the church doors will once again close from the 26th. Again, I take it that would be from midnight on the 26th. And also, it it seems the government are going to engage with shops uh, to get them not to hold big sales events because usually what happens from St Stephen's Day, all the big sales are on. And obviously that's exactly what Neffet and the government don't want is everybody heading out to the to the post-Christmas sales. So it'll be, we'll see with interest what they're going to say to shops asking them not to engage in big sales. Um, big sales after Christmas um, and we'll, we'll wait and see if we'll get more details on that but the Cabinet meeting is running on a little longer than was expected so the announce those official announcements on the increased restrictions now likely sometime after one o'clock I'm thinking more towards half one uh, I imagine before we will see somebody come out onto the plinth of Dáil Éireann and step up to the podium 1850 Now some of your other texts coming into us Somebody says, I think a curfew is the only way to stop these, all the gatherings we've been talking about with house parties, etc. And the gatherings of those car enthusiasts last weekend. We've, well, I've certainly in my lifetime never lived under a curfew. They have done curfews in other countries whereby unless it's, 
you're an essential worker there's an essential reason you can't go out on the streets after 8 o'clock and they've done that successfully in other countries how would people feel about that if you were I mean I know we're all all told to stay at home but what if they actually put a curfew in place whereby you would be fined if you were caught out on the street after say 8 o'clock I'm just picking that number it could be 6 o'clock it could be any time or it could be even later it could be 11 o'clock at night but how would people feel about a curfew is that something that you would uh, welcome Sean says Hi Patricia they say that we here in Ireland we're we're the best in Europe at keeping Covid out (laughs) yeah until the figures started rising this week Sean but anyway but nobody is looking at how New Zealand have kept COVID out. You look at a country like New Zealand, they have the same population as Ireland and yet they've only had 25 uh, deaths. Well, they closed off their country. That's what they did and we were told we couldn't do that because we're part of Europe and because of Northern Ireland. But they literally shut the country down and then they brought in very strict quarantine that if you did fly into New Zealand if you were say being repatriated you were from New Zealand to another part of the world and you wanted to come home you had to go into forced quarantine it wasn't like self-isolation you were put into a hotel that you had to pay for and you were to stay there for two weeks and those hotels had security guards you couldn't come out and your food was dropped to you they did very very strict lockdowns but you are right did it work it absolutely worked only yesterday a listener was talking about her son who lives in New Zealand and they're having they're into summer time now obviously and they're having a near normal summer they're on the beach they're having picnics they're meeting up with family members I've seen out of both Australia and New Zealand I've seen big matches going ahead cricket matches going ahead rugby matches going ahead and the stadiums are absolutely full so yeah they got it they certainly got it right 185333103 Our border with Northern Ireland needs to be shut down says Joe in Dunmanway 34 flights are due into Belfast today this is crazy says Joe and I did see that on social media yesterday people who suddenly realised that they couldn't get into Cork or Dublin or Shannon I did see people were talk, openly talking about that they were instead getting a flight to Belfast and they were either going to hire a car or they wanted to get public transport and then go wherever they wanted to go uh, all over the country and it, it seemed to be the main people who were trying to come get out of London and that that's the option that they were taking was flying to Belfast I didn't know there was that many flights but 34 flights into Belfast and there's no sign of Northern Ireland it was certainly when, from when up to when I came on air there was no sign of, of Northern Ireland banning the flights as other European countries Scotland have stopped all uh, travel from England into Scotland so it's not that people other countries part of the United Kingdom can't do it because other sections have but certainly there's an Arlene Foster doesn't seem to be anyway of the opinion that she needs to curtail and stop those flights that are coming in but yes I see what you're saying Joe the knock-on effect is for us south of the border because you will have people who desperately want to get home for Christmas and if they see that as the option will fly to Belfast and travel down instead yesterday somebody reckoned they knew of two families from West Cork who the dads were going up to collect a son and a daughter who were flew, flew into Belfast yesterday and they were making the journey to collect their loved ones. 1850-333-103. On the postal service at the moment. Hi Trish. I posted postcards for Christmas last Wednesday at Blackpool Shopping Centre. None of them have arrived. I phoned and they said they've gone all over the place. What a disgrace. OK, well, of course, if you posted them in Blackpool, they then, all of our posting Cork has to go to Port Leash and then it has to be transported back down uh, to us. Listen, the postal service are doing, they're working as hard as they can, but I think everyone accepts there's no next day delivery and people just have have patience. But, you know, I've... I sent a load of cards and I, I spoke about this a few weeks ago in the programme 
them. They took weeks to arrive. Cards going all over the country. But I'm glad to say, as far as I know, they all have have arrived uh, safe. And I had a package going to England that I sent at the end of November. And the family I was sending it to were also sending a package to me. And they sent their package 11 days ago. And would you believe my package to them arrived yesterday and their package to me arrived yesterday. So theirs took 11 days, whereas mine took nearly the bones of over three weeks uh, to arrive. But that I was working it out. I don't know if it was the Irish end of it. I think my parcel got to Port Leash and then got over to the UK, but I think it was in the United Kingdom. As indeed all over the world, postal services are working absolutely flat out. And I know on Post today said that despite the high Christmas demand, they saying they are saying they are in good shape. They say there may be delays on delivering last minute shopping and gifts, particularly anything coming in and out of Europe. And that's obviously as a result of the delays on the on the UK land bridge. And let's have sympathy, please, for some of our truck drivers who are stuck over in England because, of course, what's going on in England at the moment and the fact that they've been closed off going to France and there's so many people caught there people trying to get home for Christmas as well but Anna McHugh of on post Head of Communications was speaking today and she said that many people did post early and abided by the online shopping deadlines so you know most people who ordered in time or who posted on time items are being delivered but she says that they are in good uh, shape at the moment and um, that she feels you know the domestic posting of parcels and cards in the coming days that is their main uh, focus so I wouldn't to that listener who's worried about the items that they sent in from Blackpool. I wouldn't worry yet. yet they, it'll still arrive. There's, there's still post today, Tuesday, there's post Wednesday. And I was actually speaking to our very friendly postman who has just worked so hard here delivering every day to the radio station. He says that they're delivering right up to and including Christmas Eve. So there's still still more time for your post to arrive. And Liz says, uh, posted items in West Cork, went to Port Leash to come back down again. It seems absolutely a crackers and they wanted to close post offices, says Liz. Well, I think if anything, what this has really shown is the importance of our postal network. And when, when it's unfortunately the fortune that we needed a pandemic to show it, but it really just show how important our postal uh, network is. Uh, somebody says, what's the number for the Mystery Voice in the morning? It's the same number that, that we use here. It's 1850-333-103 and all I can say is it has to be either one tomorrow or Thursday if that means in the end Simon almost giving it away with clues but he he gave more clues uh, today and he, he uh, it's something to do with the saints name so keep saints names in mind I'm, I'm soul searching Pardon the pun, on it as well. And somebody else then who wants to remain anonymous, which is fine, reacting to that lovely piece that I had from the listener who spoke about Christmas in the past, Christmas growing up as a child, when she lived with a father who battled alcoholism and the fear that every Christmas growing up, even when her dad was in good form, there was always the fear that something might happen. He might drink too much and he might uh, kick off. So that took the joy out of Christmas. And then unfortunately, she went ended up in a very uh, unhappy and abusive marriage, went from the frying pan into the fire, but then finally broke free and now speaks about the wonderful calm Christmases that she has now. And that, you know, it was a great, it's a lovely letter and a great sense of hope to others. Somebody says, I can empathise 100% with that woman that wrote the letter 30 years 
years ago I took back my life but I have to say the damage done uh, will uh, last yeah but you've got peace you have peace in your mind and peace in your heart and there's 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 no amount of money uh, will uh, will buy you that for sure. Thank you for your text to 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Can Talk, which is the support group for adults affected by cancer in any way. The group have moved to online with their support meetings and they hold support meetings for the different cancer groups every Tuesday evening. Attendance is free but booking is essential and tonight the group will meet for a time for tranquillity. God we could all do with that at the moment. For more details uh, more details are available on the Can Talk brochures which is online at cantalk.ie and the annual Goal Mile in Donnerell Park obviously not going ahead this year but you are asked to support Goal by running or walking your own Goal Mile safely over the Christmas period and then please donate online. Further details from goalglobal.org and for Moy Christmas market will be held in the former presentation convent and that is on this evening between 5 and 8 o'clock and I've been asked to give a mention to Taste of Bandon it's a community based celebration of all of the local heroes in what is very taxing times from the lollipop lady to the cycling postman um, they, they've asked us to mention that the Bandon weekly markets are open this week for your Christmas last minute shopping the Bandon Country Market is open tomorrow Wednesday morning from half past eight and the Farmers Market will be open on Thursday morning, Christmas Eve until 2pm. Court today on C103. With McCroom Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCroomMotors.com. Some of your comments coming in. We were talking about the GAA in the last hour when I had Tom Lyons of Carberry GAA and GAA Club's not that happy with this new county board uh, draw Rebels Bounty. Uh, Column says the GAA come well they did in the past came, come around to my house there could be three or four people standing at the door asking for money every year comes as I always felt a little bit of intimidation was going on because two or three of them might have been my neighbours and I felt it was very hard to say no I felt I had no choice but to hand over the money I stopped giving about two years ago now I do subscribe but I do it in other ways says a column but I don't like the idea of people calling to my door asking me to get involved in these uh, draws and obviously Colin was talking about before the pandemic yeah the GA lads volunteers who went around selling those 100 euro tickets it's a hard it is a hard sell for sure but you you can't do it in a pandemic you certainly can't call to people's doors during a pandemic uh, Joan says the county board don't give enough this is Joan's view she feels they don't give enough to local clubs it always seems to be those on the top that cream off the most it's so unfair to see local communities and clubs fighting for everything it's all collections etc so it doesn't surprise me what they are now trying to do to local clubs the GA on high very unfair to the smaller clubs well it seems the smaller clubs are fighting back Anyway, listening to Tom this morning. A big thank you. This is from Rose and all the gang at Tharis Jocks. She wants to say a big thank you to all of the staff and volunteers at Tharis Jock shop in Dunmanway. Uh, everyone volunteers and thanks to everyone who has supported them. Happy Christmas to one and all and many happy returns. Rose to you and the rest of the gang. On house parties, Ray on Twitter at C103 Cork says the reality is this is not surprising that there are house parties going on and it's no real shock. It appears that quite a few of society believe that the pandemic is a government creation just like the 2008 world economic crash. And Jimmy on Twitter says are you surprised to hear about 
about house parties. There's no enforcement. The non the non compliant are allowed to do as they wish, and yet yet you'll have the guardy out trying to catch somebody doing forty one kilometres in a forty kilometre zone. Not a happy camper is our Jimmy. Mary says, I know of so many bars that people are going into. They're not buying food and they're coming out extremely drunk. I've witnessed it over the weekend. So the doors of the pubs should be closed. Well, they will be now from three o'clock on uh, Christmas Eve. And Martin says to the person who suggested that we ban or we close down off licences for a while, Martin thinks that's a crazy suggestion. All it will do is the she beans and the Hutchin makers and those brewing their own drink will make an absolute fortune. So those asking for the off licence to be closed, it doesn't make sense. And we know from past histories that when prohibition was introduced and when people weren't allowed to get their hands on alcohol and weren't allowed to buy alcohol, what Martin is saying exactly, you get the Pachin makers and you get people brewing their own and if people want to get their hands on alcohol, people will get their hands on uh, alcohol. On posting items, Hi Patricia, my daughter has sent a package nearly three weeks ago from Berlin. We haven't received it yet. We sent two packages to them three weeks ago. They haven't received it yet. Kind regards. Oh Anne, stay positive, stay positive. You've, you've got post today, still might come today and you've two more days. So hopefully it will arrive and particularly, you know, with loved ones not coming home for Christmas, those Christmas presents that people are posting it's so important that they get them in time for uh, Christmas Uh, Tim says what a stupid comment from the media saying Christmas hasn't been entirely cancelled. Christmas is what you make it. You don't cancel it by not having a house full of people it can still be celebrated by one or two people. It's personal and it's spiritual says a very wise Tim thank you for that Uh, Tim and hi Patricia I know it's Christmas but I thought singing at Mass was not allowed. I was in, in a church in North Cork last Sunday and the choir was singing and they weren't wearing masks. They are supposed, they're also supposed to be singing on Christmas Day. This is not right and everybody trying to mind themselves. Happy Christmas to all and uh, stay safe. I don't know how many churches are allowing uh, choirs because obviously with the numbers that are allowed in a church, the number in the choir has to be counted in with the numbers that are in the church. Uh, how do I feel about choirs singing? I'm, I mean, I'm assuming they're all well spaced out and they're doing the social distancing and all of that. There's something magical about Christmas carols in a church at Christmas time. It always gives me that gorgeous tingling feeling. So I can understand if a church can manage to get a choir together. I can understand why they are doing it. But again, it's personal responsibility. If you are feeling unsafe inside in the church, then don't go. Don't go. There's lots of opportunities to see Mass either online or on the TV. And as we now know, it's going to be announced by the government. It's looking like the churches are going to close once again and there will be no worship from Stevens's Day. It looks like that the churches will once again close. 1850-333-103. I posted a card to Dublin last Tuesday. Eight days later, still hasn't been uh, delivered. OK, let's take a break. And we are back with Joe Heffernan. And we're talking about bereavement. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips and adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Christmas. Court today on C103. With McCroom Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCroomMotors.com. This is the Court Today replay on C103. And someone was asking about hotels and had hotels been mentioned. I've just seen tweeted that hotels will close to non-essential bookings after December the 26th. So they will fall in in line with the gastropubs and the restaurants. It'll be just non-essential bookings, but they will allow anyone who's obviously got a hotel booking over Christmas until the 26th of December. 1850 333 103. Now Joe Heflin joins us for our final uh, slot for 2020. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, and, Patricia. And as we always do at this time, we talk about bereavement at Christmas because, of course, year on year, we're always aware that there's new people facing into bereavement at Christmas. And God knows this year, because of COVID, yeah. there will be more people than than there would have been uh, last year. Uh, and, and, and whatever it is, Christmas just can be the toughest time for when it's a bereavement. It can. There can be an empty chair at the at the at the Christmas dinner. Um, uh, you know, I think it's a time when loved ones um, who have passed on are greatly missed, and even more um, uh, poignantly, those who have passed on uh, this year. And uh, I mean, especially with all the restrictions and uh, number restrictions. There was one case where a very dear friend of ours, his wife, was terminally ill. But 
But unfortunately, on top of her illness, she had contracted COVID-19. And it was an awful time because they were hoping and praying that she would hold out for a certain number of days so as that they could have some semblance of, you know, what we'll call a COVID-19 funeral. Because if she hadn't held out um, for that uh, particular number of days, well, then there'd be no funeral at all. Mm-hmm. Not even the restricted numbers funeral. So some people had... Um, oh, uh, it was just beyond belief, really. Now, thank God she did hold out and the funeral was held. Uh, we we were there um, uh, in accordance with the... HSE guidelines, we, we did all the things we were supposed to do, but we were there and, uh, you know. Um, but there, were, there was, and, and yeah, and that was a blessing in, in itself, but there were families who weren't even with their loved ones when they died. Yeah. Over the year, yeah, because of COVID. I mean, just I mean that that photograph oh. I think will stay with me forever of the man looking in the window at his brother who had passed away, and obviously the brother's wife and daughter yeah. had managed to get in, but that was it. Nobody else was allowed in, and he pulled over the garden bench up against the window of the hospital and, and stood stood up and to look in, and it was yeah. just heartbreaking. Just a horror story, so, really. So on I top mean, of a normal yeah. bereavement, you're you're dealing with all of that as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's, so, it's it's beyond um, it's beyond belief, really. Um, uh, what people have gone the through the area of bereavement in in twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah. So so what we we talk about is applicable this year, as, as but more applicable yeah. this year, I think, than, than ever before. And as we always say when we do this piece, there are no rights and wrongs to getting through Christmas with the bereavement no. in mind. No, it's. Um, it's 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 all about self care. It's all about looking after oneself, and um, you know uh, there'd be different um, uh, things that would be helpful and some things that would not. Um, for example, I mean, uh, it is um, if if the bereaved person feels like talking about the um, the 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 loved one who has passed on. Well then, uh, fine. That that would be um, a good a good um, uh, therapeutic thing for the person to do. Um, so that uh, I, you know, we we would say like that. Um, don't be afraid that you're going to kind of like bring the mood down or um, uh, or or put something. Uh, negative into the Christmas uh, atmosphere. Uh, No, no. If you you wish to talk about old times and the bereaved person, then do that and you will find that there won't be anybody who wouldn't be, um, you know, pleased to facilitate that. And it's a nice thing to do, and it's it's you know yeah. if it sits comfortably with you, it's a nice thing to do to yeah. uh, to, to remember. But but equally, uh, and this is applicable not just when it comes to bereavement, but this year, if if you decide that you want to be on your own or that you want a quiet Christmas this year, that again has to be respected. Absolutely, and be be you know be prepared to 
say no to things that you don't wish to do. Um, don't feel obliged, um, I should, or I must, or I have to. Kind of leave those out and um, look after yourself um, uh, in the way that you feel is best for you mm. um, for, for the Christmas. For example, the, um, you know, the traditions, the rituals, um, we always put the mm, ornaments on the tree together. Um, we always went uh, to uh, visit uh, such a person. Um, you may decide to uh, continue with um, the tree, etc., etc., or indeed you you may not. Um, so um, just do what you feel will help you to get through this tough time. Now, I suppose an added... An added um, burden uh, this year is many people would like to, you know, uh, attend uh, the the mass that they always went to uh, at Christmas. And this year, of course, the way things are... That might not be possible. It might not be possible. Yeah. For example, I mean, Father Jim here in Borbui, they have a very good system of um, two masses per day and... Uh, that whether it is Monday, Tuesday or Wednesday, that that is your Christmas Mass. That's the only way that people can be kept safe. Mm. Um, so that's that's another... Um, so that'll I, be a break with tradition for some people. Another disruption to our lives, yeah, yeah. And yeah. visiting the grave on Christmas Day, well, um, Joe, what's your view on that? Well, no, some people would love to do that. And, and uh, those who would love to do that, um, then do that. But if you just are not up to it um, on the Christmas Day, well then, don't. That uh, you know that you the person needs to look after him or herself, um, and not to feel that there are musts in there somewhere. You know, uh, I can't watch that music uh, TV program because sure it wouldn't be right but it would be right if you you know if it if it gets you past an hour or two um in a uh, giving you a little peace um well then there is absolutely nothing wrong with that and i think a great question always um when one is grieving is to say well what would the deceased person want for you and of course um the answer would be they would want you to be at peace. They would want you to um, uh, to suffer as little as possible due to their passing. And they would wish you to remember the, the good times and to celebrate the life um, as well as mourning the death. So, and that's why it's, it's okay to laugh and it's, it's okay to in some way enjoy yourself absolutely absolutely um you know uh as as you said at the beginning there are no rules there's yeah it isn't like oh my god that would be wrong no um uh if you have for example a favorite um tv program um that you uh maybe and your loved one who had passed on enjoyed at christmas and if you feel that it would be 
um, helpful for you. If you would like to watch that program, well, then do. And if there are a few uh, laughs in it or whatever, well, then that's fine as well. Just to not feel um, uh, that there are certain, uh, as I say, try to avoid the musts, the haftas, and the shoulds. And um, uh, do what you're doing in a mindful way, um, uh, you know, to to be present in your day. That um, if you're making a cup of tea, to be making a cup of tea rather than to be um, uh, worrying, you know, about um, uh, what I... what I should be doing, will I, must I phone uh, such a person? Um, they want to call um, on uh, Christmas Day for an hour. I don't feel like that. And to just be able to say in a, in a respectful way, um, do you know, in the day that's in it, I'd really rather just yeah. um, uh, be on my own and say a few prayers maybe and um, meditate a little and... Um, Maybe uh, take out the the photo album or go on the um, uh, the the computer or the phone photograph and, and look back at look back yeah. at memories. And yeah. you you suggest planning your day. Don't leave huge gaps during the day where your mind can take over almost. Yeah, yeah. That um, that That's you're not advice. at a loss, like of um. Uh, wandering from the sitting room to the kitchen and the kitchen to the sitting room and thinking, what what, um, what am I doing in this room? Or, you know, to kind of have a bit of a plan um, to maybe even write down a few notes as to like, um, well, this is how I want to spend the day. And, uh, you know, and if there are people that you would like um, to call over. Now, I know that we're all bound with this new um, situation with COVID-19, which is impacting every aspect of our lives. But, um, you know, within those rules, um, uh, that even if a person was to call and not come in, if that was to, you know, what how it should be, well, then to maybe have a chat um, outside the the door. Um, that's so uh, possible this year because apparently um, if the Metairn people are right, uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day um, are going to be extremely dry, fine days. So cold, but cold, possible. but cold. So just so, so wrap up warm. And then yeah. your other... Um, uh, pieces to to to, draw, to do something different, start making new memories. Yes, yeah. That you know, uh, you may decide that um, that you would uh, have some little way of remembering the person which uh, um, you hadn't uh, uh, engaged with before, and then and to do that. And um, for example. Um, uh, you may decide to go for a walk in a place where you had walked with the person and to remember them that way in a in a, in a very loving and indeed a very healthy way all round, um, being out in the fresh air and, uh, and, and having a walk. Um, so, like, uh, again, at the risk of sounding repetitious, um, 
just do what feels right for you. There's no right or wrong way. No right or wrong way at all. I was telling you a story one time about um, uh, I I felt, uh, I, I don't know, I, I felt a bit peculiar at my mam's uh, funeral. Um, uh, it was a bad time in, in my own life. And um, I felt, you know, that there was a couple of shoulds in there. I should be tearful. I should be upset. Um, I suppose with the way that um, this, that and the other thing had to be done, that um, that uh, that didn't happen, and and I felt um, mm, that uh, I don't know I I I I felt <laughs> I felt it should happen, but it was about um, it's a, it's a very peculiar story in the way that grief can hit us. I was driving to Limerick one night. I remember it so well, and um, I was thinking about her for some reason. She came into my head. And uh, I pulled in at the side of the road and I found myself very, very tearful uh, in the car. I was on my own. And um, and there you were, like that was years later. No, out of the, out of the blue. Out and you can, blue and, and bereave, bereavement can do that. And you've given, um, I'm just going to read this. I just have to, I do have time. Just this is lovely. This is remembered joy, people. Mm. Some may have heard of this before. And it's just a little, a little reflection. Just, and we're, and we're doing this, particularly if you've lost uh, a loved one uh, this year. Mm. And it's, don't grieve for me, for now I'm free. I followed the path God laid for me. I saw his face. I heard his call. I took his hand and I left it all. I could not stay another day to love, to laugh, to work or play. Task left undone must stay that way. And if my parting has left a void, then fill it with remembered joy. A friendship shared, a laugh, a kiss. Ah, yes, these things I too shall miss. My life's been full. I've savoured much. Good times, good friends, a loved one's touch. Perhaps my time seemed all too brief. Don't shorten yours with undue grief. Be not burdened with tears of sorrow. Enjoy the sunshine of tomorrow. That's a lovely, lovely piece. And we have a copy of that if anybody's looking for it, even though we won't get it out to people um, before Christmas uh, for sure. And just one final um, uh, piece. Uh, And it was something actually that a friend of mine was talking about. She was going to, she always goes to her parents' house on uh, Christmas Day for dinner. And they're in there, not that elderly, but they're they're over 70. And she said she was just worried about it and concerned about it. But she was saying, oh, they'd be so disappointed if I don't go. But anyway, she rang up the mother just to say, look, you know, with everything that's going on and whatever, uh, do you think it would be better if I didn't, if I didn't come? And the, the relief from the mother who said, yeah, we were thinking the same thing and we didn't just know, we didn't know what to say to you. Sure. So I think families need to start having those discussions around what we normally did and what might be different this year and give people an opt out if they want to opt out. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I was uh, delighted to to observe and to be able to say that um, our lads now in Cork, they have been extremely careful because um, the last thing they wanted was to take any risk whatsoever with the fact that they're here on uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And, um, you know, they didn't want to be the ones who were the cause of the man or the dad getting COVID-19. And everyone's feeling like that. No one one wants that uh, on their plate. Okay, we've got to leave it there. Listen, a very happy and a peaceful Christmas to you. Thank you for all your contribution during 2020 and here's to a better 2021 for all. 
Thank you, Trish. God bless. And um, uh, happy Christmas to all the listeners. And thank you so much for the many people who contacted me uh, saying that they listen in on the Tuesdays. Okay, thanks for that. Have a good one. Bye bye. And by the way, it's just been under the new restrictions, which are going to be announced. We're now expecting one o'clock today. Golf and tennis will remain open. Non contact sports training and pods of up to 15 will be allowed outdoors and gyms will stay open, but only for individual training. That's where I leave you for today. Thanks to uh, John Paul for producing the programme. John Paul is sitting in for me tomorrow. I'm off, but I'm back with you on our Christmas Eve. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. Look after yourself and more importantly, stay safe. Court today on C103. With McCroom Motors. Leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCroomMotors.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.